Warren Ryan, I'm delighted to have you on the Purpose Led Leadership Podcast. Welcome to the show. We've only become friends recently through a mutual acquaintance, but um, having the conversations we've had, I think there's definitely some alignment. I'd love to get to know you and the audience would as well. Before we go into kind of your journey, tell the audience what you do now. I just want to say thank you, Chris, for inviting me onto your podcast. And um, what do I do now? So I am the founder of a company called the Youfluencers Academy. So I coach young people, primary, secondary school age, and I teach them life skills wrapped in the YouTube banner. And before, you know, parents are like, I don't want my kids being YouTubers. But what I do is we use the concept. So our kids love YouTube. That's the world that we live in right now. Yeah, yeah, sure. I get to teach them life skills so that they can communicate effectively. And yeah, so we get transformations with children that are autistic, behavior issues, children that are shy. And yeah, we work with all sorts of children. So that's what I do right now, Chris. That, that's amazing. And I'm sure there's a big stigma around a certain generation looking at YouTube thinking, how can you get life skills from that? So what's your argument to that? How do you, I mean, I think we, the general people would know the answer to that, but some won't, right? Definitely. You know, a lot, of, a lot of children consume a lot of content on YouTube. So they watch other children open up presents, play games. So my, my spin on it is that I would rather my children, I've got two kids myself, to be mm. creating content rather than just watching other children. So they're learning the life skills. So they're learning how to speak on camera. So when I go into the schools and I say, he wants to be a YouTuber, mm. and he'll go, yeah. <laughs> I say, Jack, come to the stage then. And Jack yeah, goes, yeah. I can't do that. And then that's when I teach them the life skills, the confidence skills to be able to get up in front mm. of the years and speak. Because this is so exciting to me because I've been very vocal about the education system being very broken, very conformist. And you're taught that, you know, you be a doctor, be a lawyer, get a house, get a car, get a wife, get a husband. That's your life. And I think by the very nature of creating content, what you're doing, I think, is you're allowing the individual, however old they are, to be creative and be themselves and flourish and kind of try new things, right? 100%. You know, university is a route, but there's many other routes as well. And I just believe, my philosophy is that every child is a genius. They just need the right teacher. And if you can find what that child's, what lights that child up and use that to educate them, then you'll have their full attention. I want to delve back into that in a bit more detail as to, you know, the results you've been, you've been getting from that and what's what's the mission and vision and values behind what you're doing. But how did you come to want to even do this in the first place? That's a great question, Chris. So I grew up from a broken home. The oldest of four. Mum was addicted to drugs such as crack cocaine and heroin. So as a kid from the age of six years old, I developed skills that a lot of adults would have. I had to look after my mum, my siblings. I then went into care when I was eight years old. So I had to learn how to be adaptable, not knowing where I was going to stay. You know, I was in many homes. Mm. So as a child, I always, I had this light inside of me. I had, you know, I want to always want to build schools, make it as a professional football player. That yeah. was the dream. And I always wanted to give back but I didn't have a voice. So I had a star. I was shy. And yeah, I, I didn't speak up for myself. So that's my why, you know, mm -hmm. I couldn't, I can't help myself. I can't go back in time and help myself. 
But I now looking back at it, I think Steve Jobs said it the best. Like yeah, you can yeah, only yeah. connect the dots looking back. So now looking back, going from that, not from a victim place, but actually that was my life degree. I had to go through that as a child. Yes. And help the children. So when I can help kids find their voice, it makes it worth it. That really resonates with me. And I always say that if you didn't go through, if you didn't go through that adversity, right, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. So it was, it was almost like a bit of a calling for you in a way. What would you say to that? 100%. I feel like everything good and bad that happens in our life happens, happens to us for a reason. Mm. And if I didn't go through what I went through, I wouldn't have the level of empathy that I have. Mm. I would be pretty selfish. It would be about me. Yeah. And yeah, so 100%, you know, I needed to go through what I went through. But the paradox is that I've got friends, I've got acquaintances, I've got people that I know that have been through similar stuff. I mean, I've been through, I've been very vocal, I've been through fairly similar stuff to yourself. It's not, not comparison in any way, shape or form. But sometimes you can be go through the toughest adversity and come out like you are. And sometimes you can't. And I, I, what, what was the catalyst for you to sort of turn this into something really positive? Because, I mean, it doesn't, it's not always the case for everyone else, is it? That's true. It's very true. You know, um, I lost my brother three years ago um, of a heart attack, actually, through cocaine. And wow. we had the same upbringing, went through the same things. He changed his whole life around. But one weekend went out and then had a heart attack the next day. So, um, yeah, you people can go through the same experiences and have different outcomes. One thing for me, from a very young age, I don't know where it came from. I don't think there was any role models in my life. But where it came from was... I just saw, I just knew there was consequences. There was consequences to my actions. And I actually, Chris, I remember actually, when I was six years old and a police officer was at my front door and my mum, it was a domestic, arguing back and forth with my mum. And then this police officer said to my mum, shut up, you whore. Otherwise I'll put your kids in care in front of me. Wow. At that moment, I decided I was never ever gonna go to prison mm. and I was gonna literally create a good living for myself and I was gonna I mean, I'm a child of mine I was gonna earn more than that police officer I was gonna prove that police officer wrong I think that that was the like that incident is the reason why I don't have a criminal record right now is the reason why like, yeah so obviously I, I believe in God as well so when you believe in have a faith or believe in God have like a cctv on you all the time so <laughs> yeah you know who i am like yeah so you can't really get away with things so i kind of like i've used that connection i haven't had a you know my, mm. my dad so my dad wasn't in my life so yeah my connection was through god and i just wanted to make this world a better place ever since i remember so i feel like we become awake spiritually awake at different points in our life when that time is some people do it in their in a kid teenage years yeah some people have to go through all of that drug abuse and then wake up in their 30s 40s 50s mm. i just happen to wake up at 20 i mean i've only just it's the first time i've actually spoken we have a few whatsapp messages right and in this sort of 10 minutes so far i can feel your spirit i can feel your your passion and your drive and your your clarity of thought and um i, I want to kind of delve into 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 why you think you've got that or I know, I know you said it was that the policeman but I mean 
what what sort of adversity other adversity have you, have you been through and anxiety in dark times have you been through? i mean you, you talked about your your brother dying of a, of a heart attack you've talked about these big things that are happening but how how's it actually affected you because you're in what you do you're you're a public speak, speaking coach amongst other things so you, you have to have confidence you have to have you have to demonstrate this 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 certain persona right but deep down you must be feeling other other stuff as well right yeah, so, you know, obviously from as young as I can remember, I grew up in a, a house of violence. I sit right. I witnessed my mum being beaten up in front of me. Yes. I witnessed, yeah, drugs, people taking drugs in my house, my house being um, raided by the police. Yeah. I was abused as a 10-year-old by two women when I was in care. Wow. So I had a lot of trauma um, and obviously neglect from, you know, my mum was on drugs, so I had neglect issues. So I got to a place, Chris, where I was like, I'm going to make it as a professional football player. Like that is my only vehicle out. I was inspired by Ian Wright back in the day because Ian Wright, you know, was someone who I resembled, like just his backstory. He made it late in his career. And football was my almost my mask so when, yeah, I, when yeah. I was 13 years old I, my mum got clean off drugs moved us from Oxford where you know your mum's a crackhead got bullied at school to Bristol no one knew my story so right. when I to Bristol I told everyone the story that I wanted them to know and I became popular the girls loved me <laughs> um, I became good at football mm-hmm. so I was in, I was in the popular group and I had this mask and this is yeah. false level yeah. this sense of confidence and I, I made it at Bristol Rovers, as in the Bristol Rovers Academy. And then up until I was 18, 19, then I get released. And when I got released, Chris, I then lost my identity. I got released from this football club. That was my life. That was, doesn't matter what shit you've been through. Like that was like, that was the reward of going through what I went through. Yeah. And it kind of distracted me from destructing because of the yeah. abuse that I went through. And then when, when, when that was taken from me, I was in a place of feeling, what's the point? I don't give, I don't, I don't get it. I went through all of that. And there's, what is the, what is the point? And in that moment, I became suicidal and I went through depression, anxiety. And I think, you know what, it's courageous. It's, it sounds weird to say that, but it's courageous to even take your life. Sometimes people say cowards take their life. But, you know, I was in a place where I didn't want to live, live anymore. But I wanted the courage. I just, the, the, doing something to end my life, there was something inside of me that wouldn't allow me to do that. But I felt about, I thought about dying and walking carelessly in the road and just doing things that I wanted to get a heart, I just wanted to die. Yes. And um, that was, at that moment I went to the doctors and I kind of like told them the symptoms that I was feeling because I thought I was having like a, a brain hemorrhage at the time because I was getting, having panic attacks every night and anxiety. And I went to the doctors to check out if I wasn't on the brain, I haven't I've got a brain tumor or something. And then she just said, um, she ticked some boxes and was like, yeah, it's depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I think at that moment, I just wanted, I wanted her to, I wanted someone to hug me. I wanted to, I wanted her to, um, yeah. But she just prescribed me drugs. And I said, I wasn't, I wasn't going to take those drugs. I wasn't, I, I saw my mum go through drugs. I saw what it done to my mum. It numbed my mum. I just, I wasn't willing. I would rather not be here than take them. 
yeah, I'm going to find a holistic way. I'm going to find a way. And in that night, I got on my floors and I prayed. And I said to God, if you use me, I'll spend the rest of my life helping people. And in that moment was, was, was the moment where, and you know, the crazy, that night, the, the follow, the, a couple of days after that, I get a phone call from this American guy who said, you apply for this job two years beforehand. Mm. But I didn't have the right qualifications. And then someone's dropped out at the last minute. Do you want to take this opportunity? I just looked up and I was like, this is, you know, God, universe, whatever your faith system is, but like, mm. like that's it, that's it. And then the money that yeah. I had was the enough money for my ticket to America. And that was that was the moment yes went to america chris and then i was coaching kids football came across a speaker called eric thomas mm-hmm. same upbringing as me but right. not not with a violin not, oh my god why me <laughs> on stage yeah. chris, in front of thousands of people yeah yeah not only that he's broke the cycle in his in his family's life his children have the best education he's sort yeah. of, he's contributing that moment i thought he was crazy at first i was like why the hell are you sharing things Mm. You keep behind closed doors mm. and I had tears down my face and I was like me too like oh yeah. my that penny dropping moment I was like oh my gosh yeah I was like all this time I've been saying why me but actually I never asked you know what for why like I was like I went from being a victim mm. to being a teacher in that moment mm. so powerful man so powerful and I, I talk about purpose this is the purpose to unleash your podcast purpose and spirituality and most of my audience love that and there's always a certain percentage that don't don't get it it's not everyone right but yeah. I, I really believe that we are each of us put on this world to do something and we've got we're given gifts that we need to bestow on others and i think that if you didn't go through what you went through you wouldn't be where you are now um and that that defining moment i mean uh, i'm not particularly religious right i don't necessarily believe in god but what i do believe is in, the, in a higher power. And the, the moment I started to get on my knees and and pray to my higher God or talk to or talk to my higher person and show gratitude and, and actually stop making it about me, stop craving for sympathy, not that I did really, but and actually start serving people and being happy with what I do have. My life changed, man. That's it. You know, I, I, I didn't know the net worth of Nelson Mandela or Martin Luther King, but I knew that they were happy fulfilled yeah i think i think that's a human need is contribution mm. and I, I my my belief is obviously i'm very spiritual too so i know that i'm a soul having this human experience yeah yeah what is good what is bad and actually you know every exp- it's not what we go through in life it's the meaning that we give it yeah so two people can go through the same experiences yeah one be a victim the young person can be a teacher but say because it's the meaning yes like yeah i think that's right i think i think um a lot of people in in this world without being too judgmental it's not about that this is an observation and in my experience i'm a leadership coach i I, I see in a lot of people go through the motions on a day-to-day basis or week-to-week basis that they'll 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 run a business or or they'll go to work but there's no actual there's no identity or reason they don't they don't zoom out enough and and i I think you talk about the mask i'm i I used to wear a mask i was a ceo of a 25 million pound business going into work with my suit thinking i was king fucking kong right (laughs) actually i i i had no i didn't really have a soul and i i and it was until i lost that and i realized actually i took off the mask and started to be vulnerable start to be open and i i would just encourage 
people to, to listen to this podcast and listen to you and be curious about being open and being vulnerable and praying and not, you know, not, not to, you know, not to force anything on somebody, but until you start looking inward, you know, I, I, I don't, I just, I, I, you know, money, money's important to me, but, but actually experiences are important to me. Right. So I think going on to, onto the purpose thing, how would you define your purpose and the importance of it? How would I define? I'm still uncovering my purpose in this world. You know, I think when you think you know, that's when you don't know, right? But well, something strong inside of me, I believe that we all have this sat-nav GPS in our heart. Mm. And obviously we can get brainwashed and conditioned with our subconscious. Yeah. But um, my purpose, I believe, is to give people, is to help people to find their voice. Because mm-hmm. I think if you can speak, you can influence. Yes. And if you can influence, you can change people's lives. I, th- I think it's in this day and age as well, it's so important. I mean, I, I, I've come from a very hardcore sales background where it's all about making phone calls. Now, um, I believe in, in content creation and nurturing and social media and, you know, personal branding and all that kind of stuff. But to this day, um, I've still got this, this inner fear about standing up in front of people and doing presentations. It's something you can, I'm sure you can help and coach me with. Definitely. But the power of telling your story, the power and the confidence and the influence you can have by just literally letting go and, and, and speaking, right? I mean, it, it must be amazing. It is amazing. You know, I spent many, many years of my life with that ego-based fear because that's what it is. That's what holds us back. It's called ego-based fear. Yeah. And um, the way that I can describe this, it's like being a bird with these big-ass wings <laughs> and you've been in a cage. Yes. And you can't even spread your wings. Yeah. So when you learn to be able to step into your power, whether that's speak freely, like be the person who you are at home on any stage, any given situation. Imagine being in a cage your whole life, then leaving the cage. Yeah, yeah. And then flying. And that ability, like that's the feeling. But what was the moment? Was it was it was it the football thing or you know, because you've gone from being, you know, suppressed by your environment and your family and all that kind of stuff and not having a voice to now this powerful um voice coach uh, what was the turning point has it evolved or well do you know a bit like steve jobs with the apple iphone i realized that our minds are powerful so what i did was i realized when i started studying why i was depressed see my depression was my catalyst for going inside so when i started right. to look inside myself i was like wow because if you look at all the people that are in power all a hundred of them they control seven billion souls so when i saw that i was like how are they doing that and I was like realizing that we all have a TV in our living rooms and there's a lot of conditioning that's going on. So I was like, oh my gosh, every invention, a plane, boom, boom, created from the human mind. So I yeah, went yeah. inside the mind and I realized, okay, why do I have a fear of speaking out? Because I have a fear of judgment. Why do I have a fear of judgment? Because I want to be accepted. Why do I want to be accepted? I want to be loved. So what I did, I went on a self-love journey. Yes. Here, the inner child. And I didn't need other people to love me. So what Steve, Karen thinks of me is none of my business. So true. Therefore, I could freaking be a princess on stage, make as many mistakes, because I, I know I can't fail being me and I no longer need external validation. And so, so what I did, I just became a professor of the mind, a, a nerd, a geek of the mind. And I realized that we can literally program it ourselves. The mind is amazing, but the programming... Be seen, not heard. A lot of this stuff's happened in childhood from zero to eight. Yeah, so yeah. I, did was I overrided the old programming. Mm. 
So actually, public speaking, speaking on a stage, isn't even about me. If someone's in that stage, that audience, it's about them. Yeah. And the brain can't work. The brain can't focus on two areas at the same time. Mm. So whenever, whenever you're nervous, whenever you're yeah. fearful of public speaking, who's it about? Yourself. Yeah, yeah. The only person you need to worry about what you think of you is you. And the problem well, is people do think about what everyone else is thinking. That's the issue, right? That is, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a big game of control. And we have to mm. be able to, if you don't control your mind, somebody else will. So have you done that all on your own or have you had outside people influences like coaches? I, I always think even the best coaches in the world have their own coaches, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when I first moved to America, I lived with, you know, I was coaching football over there and I lived with this family and there was a man called Thong who was like the dad of the house. He's from the theater, um, he's from Vietnam. Yeah. And he came over to America on a boat and he's a doctor now. And he, he introduced me some books and I think the first book that I read was Think and Grow Rich. Oh, yeah, I've read that. Great by, book. Yeah, by Napoleon Hill. Yeah. Started to become, he, he was my first mentor. He taught me about the mind. And he, he, he was very much like, just think of Karate Kid. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. Was, um, it was, it was. It was a trainer. He was that trainer. He was just like, Warren, be curious with everything. So from that moment, I realized that who I thought I was, wasn't actually me and I could create the person that I want to be. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I'm 100%. You can't see the picture when you're in a frame. So no. Mentors. No. So um, talk to us about family life then, you know, being a, being a father uh, away from what you're doing with your work. How important is all that kind of stuff to you? Family is everything. Obviously coming from a broken family. When I have, well, I said to myself, when I have children, you know, it's going to be all about them. Everything that I do is for my children. And I had a breakup from my son's mum. And I was like, shit, like, that wasn't a part of the story. Like that, I wasn't supposed to be a co-parent. So I, um, that, was a, that was a hard obstacle to over- overcome. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, because I felt like a failure, like a massive failure when that happened. But yeah, no, my, I live for my children. My children are my life. They're my everything. Yeah. And that's why I work with children as well, because my kids come to work with me. I don't, you know, like when I have my kids, they're with me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, family life is everything to me. So it's me and I've got a boy called Noah and a girl called Mila. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Congratulations. I'm sure they're beautiful children. My 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 mind has changed from over the last three or four years. I've done the whole self-love piece. I've, I've, I've got divorced and I've built myself up to a position where I thought in my head up until recently, I don't need anyone to make me happy. And I, I think that's true to an extent, but I'm also at a point now where I also believe to reach true happiness. I think it's it's about sharing that with someone else. What's your view on relationships in terms of the importance of having someone or not having someone, all that kind of stuff? Great question. I love that you asked that, Chris. Yeah, so for me, oh, you know, we grow up, I feel like, like Disney culture, that you're going to meet the love of your life and it's going to be this perfect woman who's lose her virginity to you and <laughs> all of this stuff like that. You have this, this um, unrealistic image of who you're going to be with. So I think the older I've got, I'm 33 now, so the older I've got, I've realised um, that I just put all of these unrealistic expectations on being with someone 
Yeah. But also at the same time, you know, what I've learned from previous relationships was about love languages, how we give and receive. 100 percent. Yes. Personality types, mm. core values. Mm. As before, you like you see a pretty woman or you're, you're, there's attraction and you get that love chemical at the start and you're like, yes, yeah. good points. And then, you know, when you're an open book, they can mirror you quite easily. And you're like, oh, my God, you want to help others. And <laughs> that is like, yes. So so now it's crazy. It's like. I'm in that place where like, I would love, I'm not looking, mm. but I'm ready. If that makes sense. Like I've been working on making myself right. So if, you know, I would definitely yeah. love to share my life with someone, but someone who is responsible for their own happiness, someone who is, you know, we're side by side. No one who is like, just, yeah. Just jumping on your boat. Sure. Um, yeah. I don't want any of that drama tension. I just want, to meet someone who is right, right for me. That yeah, sense. I think everyone wants that. Whereby I think sometimes you're in a relationship and you're in relationship to kind of you're looking to make the other person happy all the time. Or, or I, I think it's a real art to find someone that allows you to be your own independent person. You, you're in a relationship, but you're also independent of yourself. And uh, when you said you're not looking, I think that was an important point because I think the issue I had with myself was I almost kind of had like. I'm looking on my forehead kind of thing. People can pick up on that. And if you force things as well, I don't think that works out right either. I think almost allow being a magnet, right? 100, yeah, 100%. I, whenever I've, I've been in that same position as well, where I'm like, oh, I want something. And then I'm too keen at the start. And then they just, yeah. and, and, I, and I'm like, yeah. It, when, yeah, it's like, I think it's like anything, isn't it? It's even the same with business. But yeah, like, yeah. yeah, they can feel that energy. It's a bit of like a, yeah, that needy energy that yes, but yeah, I, for me, for me, I yeah. think because you know, I'm 33, so I was like, I'm conscious of like, oh my god, okay, I'm starting yeah. to I want you know, I want more children and stuff. And mm. whereas before I could I could be picky and stuff, but then no, I'm just I'm mm. in a place where I'm happy within myself. Yeah, the more we glow up, yeah, yeah, then we become more attractive. I think it's right. I think I think when we say when I get the girlfriend or when I get my wife or when I get my new car, when I go on holiday, I'm going to feel this. I think, no, you've got to feel what you're feeling. You've got to enjoy that now. I think that's the, for me, that's that's one of the keys to, to happiness is just not using anything other than what you're feeling right now to get there. That's it. Because as soon as they go from your life, then your happiness goes. <laughs> yeah. So go, going back to your brother, you said your brother died of a heart attack three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So, um, yeah, my brother, Matthew, uh, my younger brother, who's like my son. Yeah, he. I lost him around, yeah, three and a half years ago now. And um, again, yeah, that took me back to, I don't care how much self-development you do, when you lose someone so close, you just, you have to go through that grieving process. Mm-hmm. And that grieving process made me become homeless in February this year. Like it got to such a dark place in my life on the 22nd of the 2nd. 22 i became homeless wow what happened i was living in my car yeah so my daughter's mum was in a relationship and i was grieving so i was at my rock bottom and Mm. it wasn't fair on her and i self-sabotaged because the truth was like i didn't want to be away from my brother like no longer death no longer scared me because when you've got something you love on the other side i just and I felt guilty for living on. I felt guilty. Mm. I know my potential. Mm. I know I can make money. I'm good at sales. I'm good at what I do. But I didn't want it because I felt guilty. I felt I didn't, like I didn't want to live anymore. You felt responsible? 
in some no, way? No, 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 not, not responsible. I felt, I just felt guilty for living on. Like, why do I deserve to have more years in this world? I don't get it. Mm. And then actually that took me to a whole new level of spirituality where I became naked in a sense mm. of just my full being. So when I was homeless, you know, mm. Chris, I spent 10 years building my brand, traveling mm. the world, doing what I do. And yeah, then yeah. telling people on social media that I was homeless at my rock bottom, I've never asked for help. Um, was my turning point, was my surrendering, complete surrendering in life. You didn't ask a human being for help, you asked some a higher person for help. Is that what you're saying? Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's always, yeah. up until that point, and when, I went, when I was on fate, um, I went on social media, I said, told people, like, this is my situation, I'm homeless, but I'm not hopeless. Mm. And I was, I was sleeping in my car. And then I said, you know, I never asked for help and this is me asking for help. And if I've helped you in any way along the years, if you're in a position to help me, feel like I want your help. And then a GoFundMe was set up and I raised 5,000 pounds, which paid for half a year's rent. And um, because, yeah. And then I was, then I documented, Chris, the whole journey. Yeah, and now like to now having the business, the Influencer Academy, selling mm. out to um, summer camps, and and that was in February. So wow, yeah, it's just been a. But I had no, I had no. Um, I knew this was going to happen. It wasn't a. Oh no, I'm homeless forever. I knew something huge was on the horizon of my calling. I wasn't ready before. Mm. Got you. Got you. Yeah, me being homeless was my rebirth. Yes, this res- resonates so much with me. I mean, you kind of like, I, th- I think, I think um, there's a saying, isn't there? What's meant for us won't pass us by. And I really, I really, really believe in that. You, you've got a book out as well, isn't that right? That's right, yeah. So, um, you know, <laughs> I, I was like, if I die tomorrow, everything that I know that's in my head will come with me. Yeah. And I've read so many great books and I was like, when I published my first book, I wanted to be this amazing bestseller and da, da, da. And I started procrastinating because I so many years. But when yeah, I lost yeah. my brother, um, I had a book called, um, well, this is one of my books called The Art of Being Yourself. Oh, wow. And this book basically is in, an, is in dedication of my brother. But people that are, have any fears in life whatsoever, mm-hmm. I teach them in a very no-fluffing way on the strategies, the recipes, on the art of being who they were before society, trauma, yeah, put identities on them. So this helps them to basically press the reset, reset button in their life mm-hmm. and to create the life that they want to live and live it. I, I think that's brilliant. I'm definitely going to get that book. I mean, the, the, I, I think the potential in each human being is huge. I think due to various circumstances, how we're parented, how we're, how we're taught, how we're managed, the environment we're in, we only get to really use 10, 15% of what we're capable of doing. And what you're saying is you, you, you try to demystify that and kind of the mind, if you get the mind right, you can, you can believe in the right way, but you can achieve what you want to achieve. It's all about the thinking and the feeling. But what's the difference between thinking about it, feeling it, and then putting it into action? How do you, how do you get to that stage? So I think it's a process. I think, first of all, we think about it. So when we think what we want, that creates an emotion. The emotion creates motion. Yeah. And then the consistency creates habits. And then the habits create your personality. So, you know, I have a theory, you know, like it takes 21 days to create a new habit. But mm. 
like when I, when I first started reprogramming my mind, I would have post-it notes all around my house because the vocabulary, my inner self-talk was negative, my Got inner you. critic. Yeah. I learned how to remove that voice yeah. and put in a new voice. Who's my biggest cheerleader. That says, Warren, look, okay, mm-hmm. there's the problem. Warren, where's the solution? Boom, 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 boom. And then yeah. it's about having the right environment. So being in the right environment, yeah. so making, sure that, making sure that you're around the right people. Yeah. Make your home the, I call it like, you know, if on the out, when you go on the outside, when you, when you go on the outside world, you're brainwashed by billboards, marketing. It's a trillion dollar industry for a reason. Yes. Because yes. they are planting real estate in your mind without you without you realizing it. And the good news is we can, we can do it in our own home for yes. the positive ways. 100%. I haven't always been confident. I haven't always had a voice, but I would have post-it notes that Warren right warren you are confident i think i think totally. it, i think i think chris i think of me in the future i feel the confidence because the mind doesn't know yeah. what's real and what's not real so therefore yeah. i'm feeling confident walking confident and the repetition of doing that yeah becomes a belief You're so right. yes you have the right environment and knowing that we have to think it first when you think it the mind doesn't know what's real and what's not real i said to you think of your favorite holiday destination you feel like you're there. You feel those emotions. Yeah. So that's the power. When you, when you feel that, then that creates the emotion. The emotion creates motion. The motion creates your habits. Your habits create, mm. it creates beliefs. You've got to want it. And I think the word growth, I mean, now and again, I'll sit in front of the TV, right? Very rarely. I used to do it all the time. If, if I'm not listening to a podcast, if I'm not working out, if I'm not doing something that's going to benefit and develop me, but for me, you're right. It's about unwiring what we've been indoctrinated in terms of, uh, you know, the billboards, the content, or parents, or teachers. So I've got a whiteboard in my in, in my bedroom. When I wake up, I've got like discipline and courage and all these values. I walk into the mirror and high five myself. And it is that internal narrative first, isn't it? It's how you speak to yourself does play a big part. You said as well about your thoughts aren't necessarily real. I totally get that. Sometimes thoughts come into our head, and they can be the most almost heinous thoughts or almost negative thoughts, but they're not actually our thoughts, but I get what you say, but how can you elaborate that a bit more? Because people will think, well, actually, how can it not be anything other than my thoughts? What do you mean by that? When we talk about like the, the negative inner voice. Yeah. Yeah. So but basically the real you that pumps your heart every single day must love you. Otherwise it would stop pumping. Yeah. Like, like, like the real you loves you and we have to understand when we're born, if you're born in England, guess what? You speak English. If you're born in Japan, you speak Japanese, just like language. Everything else is conditioned inside of us. So if, it, if, if that voice inside your head is speaking a language, that voice wasn't born with you. Right. So, um, so people that are listening to this right now, like, so yeah, that, that voice that you've, that you've like, you only think it's you because you've, you've heard it and you've come from your head and you've like, it's me but it speaks a language. You wasn't born speaking a language. Mm. So that is an external voice. It's just, yeah, it's it's, it's the same way. Like if you can see a man in a circus, make a lion sit and be tamed, what can he do to a human mind? Mm. Like like psychology is powerful. Got you. Amazing. So talk to us about, I think it's the Youth Foundation, exactly what you're doing now and what's the mission? Where do you want to go with all the stuff you're doing now? 
Okay, so with the Youfluencer Academy, we've got, yeah, we've, got, so we've got two parts of the business. One is the well-being. I believe prevention is better than cure. Mm-hmm. So a lot of adults, parents that are listening to this right now that are struggling with their mental health, if you had the tools to be able to manage your emotions with emotional intelligence, speaking skills, I guarantee it, you would not be in the place that you're in right now. So what we're doing, Chris, is we're giving these children who are from all types of background. I do this Mm. around the world. And we give them the life skills to be able to learn to love themselves. All those important life skills that they don't learn in school. We teach them business skills as well. You know, for me, I'm going to say it. I don't want children to leave school and work at Greg's or Tesco's when they can live, but they can be entrepreneurial and generate an income doing what they love. Because I think if you're in a job that you don't like, it's bad for your mental health. Of course it is. So the Youthfluencer Academy, that's what we're doing. We're promoting solution-based young people who are influencing, not like your Kim Kardashians who are like selling their soul, buy my lip glosses. (laughs) These are positive influencers who are influencing young people. Yes. in a, in a good way. And then yeah. that's, so that's the one part of our business. And the second part of our business is we promote companies. So we want to um, promote companies around the UK. And how we do that is we bring them on board and we help them to get more exposure, to be, you know, we have yeah. some of our challenges that we do with the kids, we name it with their business brand. So yeah, so we, so what we're doing with the Youthfluence Academy is we are connecting businesses, promoting businesses, but also the number one thing is the well-being Mm. that's what we're doing i think that's important i think um mental health and well-being up until the last three or four years right it's probably been a bit of a stigma a bit of a taboo and i'm very encouraged and pleased and chuffed that it's becoming more accepted to talk about it what what do you think um you and i can do or anyone can do more of to encourage men and women but we all know the highest suicide rates are with middle-aged men yeah. To, to to encourage men, I know you're doing kids as well, to, to, to kind of talk about their 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 well-being and mental health journeys more. So um what I would say, that's a really important question. What I would say, what allowed me to share my story, because I was very private before I shared my story back in 2012, I had to change the meaning of my story. So for example, what you've gone through is a narrative. So if you, if you changed a narrative. Mm. see it like a dice you roll a dice on one side you know you're broken what's the point if you roll it again on the other side one of the other sides you had to go through that to help other people yeah so what i would say to men and women especially men is vulnerability is true strength being able to be yourself be in any given moment is the definition of true strength mm-hmm. when you're trying to please the lads and fit in that's the weakness yeah yeah the big muscles the, all of that stuff these are just masks mm-hmm. so what i say to men is that it's like some of you guys have been through a lot and it's okay to cry mm-hmm. like you know we're not designed to keep things in mm-hmm. what goes in us must come out of us yeah yeah and so when you can stand that power guess what Let's take it away from yourself, your children. I don't ever want my children to go through things in life on their own. So when they see their dad cry, it allow, it gives them permission. 100%. So if you can't do it for yourself, do it for your loved ones. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, 
two, three, four people, then it becomes a trend. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I share with people, Grace. I think that's 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 a really powerful message. We're coming towards the end. Um, I don't want to flip around too much, but I want to go back a little bit. And I think what you've achieved, how you're, how measured and centered you are, considering what's happened to you, is 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 a phenomenal success in itself. But along your journey, you must have made some fuck ups and some mistakes. What's been your biggest or poorest decision? Would you say? Great question. My poorest decision. My poorest decision that I would make, that I made, I mess up, was that when I first moved, I moved to London, and I got into first got into self development, and I opened my arms up with everyone. And I was like, you know, if I'm loved, they're going to be loved too. And I accepted everyone inside, put everyone on the boat, said to them, like, look, I'm no frigging guru. We're all the same. Don't compare your life to my life. I'm not perfect. <laughs> and I probably, I might have not, I probably didn't, I didn't share that I go through shit too. I didn't, I didn't share that because I didn't want to pollute them with my negative, that negative vibration. So I document that online. So I allowed everyone on that had hidden agendas because people want you to have a good life, but they don't want you to have a life better than theirs. Yeah. And on a spiritual thing, I wasn't guarded as well. So yeah, my biggest mess up was I, I was yeah. just unprotected and just yeah, like I, I got um yeah used. Yeah. Yeah. What, so like, what what upsets you uh these days in life? What upsets me? Mm. Um, my brother not being here. That's probably my biggest upset. That's something I cry about, you know, most nights. What, even now? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the, I, like my brother is like a son. Like, yeah, he's my world. Well, I'm going to interject there. You said that twice about your son, and there's a theme here because I, it feels like well, as an example, my foster mum told me from the age of three, I was the parent of the family. So I was parenting my older brother. I was parenting my 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 dad at the time. And it feels very much like yourself. From a very, very young age, you had to be the parent. You talked about the inner child. I just want to sort of, I wonder why you keep saying it. Do you feel, do you see yourself as some sort of father figure then? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I've, yeah, I've always been the man of the house. I've always been the protector. I've been the, the parent in my mum's relationship. So, mm. yeah, yeah, no, I've always, that's, yeah, that's... The I mean, that's a role that you play very, very well. But do you also feel that you need to parent yourself sometimes? But also, do you feel that you've, you, 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 you're you missing out in terms of you not being that child yourself as well? Do you know what, Chris? I think that's, that's why, like, if you see myself when I'm on stage or just out and about, I don't care what people think of me so I can be myself. So I've given my permission for my inner child to be. And I've, because I understood it on a soul level, I didn't get affected by life events as such, only to like my, my brother, because I was like, I'm this soul. I've signed up for this life. I've signed up for every experience. And I, so I'm always looking for the positive on everything. But what I realized was that the human self of me had blood all over me. Mm. I wasn't looking after me. Yeah. Because I was looking after my brother and my sisters. 
and my mum. And I neglected the human self. But on a spiritual level, I'm so blessed. Like literally, I like this is this is a school. I'm here to learn. Yeah. And pain is growth. Um, I get that. But I just um, yeah, like you said, I think the thing just on a physical, yeah, I just neglected myself. I, I put myself last. Mm-hmm. Because this this body rots, my soul doesn't. Mate, I love you, brother. That's absolutely phenomenal. And uh, we're both crying here for, for those who are listening rather than viewing. Um, what a powerful, powerful man you are and uh, a real role model to many. And I just want to say thank you for being so open. Thank you for all the stuff you've done for many children. I'm really excited to get to know you, mate. I want to get to know you. The stuff you can help me with, I'll say it on my podcast. I'm, I know there's stuff you can help me with. I want to help you and support you as much as you can, as I can. As, as a kind of leaving gift, if you like. What would you like to leave the audience with in terms of anything you want to pass on that can help anybody in this world at the moment? Well, I think what I would say to people that are listening right now is take care of you. Question. Just question. Have, be, have a curious mind. Question why you do what you do. And ask for help. Help is a strength. Help is wise. Help is intelligent to ask for help. It's not intelligent not to ask for help because there are people that have walked your path that you're stuck in and they have a roadmap for it. And I would say is just be kind to yourself. Keep cheering yourself on. And know that life is happening for you, not to you. That's why I'd share, Chris. Beautiful, beautifully said. Um, if I could speak as half as well as you, I'll be a proud and happy man. So I'm going to sign up to some of your courses, I think. So where can anyone find you? What's the best place? LinkedIn or Instagram? Or Yeah, I would say Instagram is probably my best hangout that I hang out on. LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, Warren Inspire is on LinkedIn, Facebook. Warren Ryan's on LinkedIn. I mean, you're, that's your big hangout. Yeah. So yeah, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Need probably actually need probably help on LinkedIn to kind of reach and stuff, but um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Thank you so much. What an absolute pleasure! I really enjoyed every moment, and looking forward to to speaking again to you soon. But thanks again, Warren. Thank you, Chris, for creating a platform like this, and thank you for the work, the life work that you do. Thank you for showing up, even when you know sometimes you're like that duck that looks like you know everything's all doing well and you're frigging panting like crazy underneath so thank you for creating this space because it's going to impact a lot of lives appreciate you bro no worries bro the purpose-led leadership podcast is sponsored by vincherry the recruitment operating system used by over twenty thousand recruiters worldwide I chose to partner with Vincere because I'm a customer and I love their modern rec operating system, a single tech platform to streamline the front, middle and back office operations of executive search, perm contract and temp businesses. If you're looking for a breed of new tech partner, talk to Vincere. They have followed us on support with seven offices around the world. Check them out at vincere.io forward slash Chris O'Connell for an exclusive offer for all listeners.